After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America Playoff Podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined by J.J. Cooper. Hello. J.J., we're down two. The Braves are officially out. The Indians are officially out. The Dodgers are in the NLCS. The Astros are in the ALCS. Going to wrap up all the action. But I want to look to the future here first real quick. Uh, deliver a eulogy on uh, both the Indians and Braves seasons and where they go from here. JJ, the Indians, 2016, got to the World Series, got to extra innings of Game 7 of the World Series, came up short. Last year, have that 22-game win streak. They're the number one seed in the American League. They are out in the first round. They come back this year. Which I'll say, though, you, you win 102. I mean, I know it was disappointing, but at the same time. It was time, a fantastic season. Yeah. This year, they go out in the first round again. The main question I want to ask you is, the Indians are now, they're about to lose some key guys to free agency. Some of their guys are getting older. Do you see the Indians' window closing at all? I do think that you look at them and you say, if they were in a, a really competitive division, if they were in the AL East, if they were in the NL East with, you know, the rise of the Braves and maybe the Phillies, um, I'd say yes. But the reality of it is, is they're in a division that should keep the window open for at least a year longer just because I don't know if there's another team out there that, to really compete with them. Um, you know, you look at it and you say, let's just go through the division. The Tigers are at least a year away, I would argue. Um, and I don't think that the Tigers under the current regime are going to be, hey, let's spend... 200 million in free agency all the time like they did. Um, the, uh, you know, you, you look at the, the Twins, it would take a massive, obviously they were better a year ago than they were last year, but it would take a massive bounce back. I think that Cleveland is just simply a better team than them still going into 2019. Kansas City, no, I don't think that that's going to happen. And then you look at the White Sox, and I think if we said before the season, we said could the White Sox time start by 2019, we'd say maybe. Um, but I do think that you look at them right now and you say, no, they're probably at least another year away. They, they're going to get a massive boost from Eloy Jimenez because Eloy Jimenez uh, has nothing left to prove in the, in the minor leagues. And yes, just prepare ourselves for the fact that we're going to hear a lot about Eloy Jimenez's defense in left field over the first three weeks or so of uh, April. And then all of a sudden, it'll magically be good enough to play in the right. majors. We're not trying to develop a DH, but on April, whatever day it is that it's no longer, he'll no longer, you'll have him for seven years, 10 days, 14 oh, days. Oh, his defense is his fine. Defense we'll get him up now. Enough, yeah. You know, but because um, again, Eloy Jimenez's job is to match, you know, again, Eloy Jimenez and Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s defense will be dissected to an insane degree for, uh, for, and then it will never be heard from again uh, right I, after that. I agree the Indians are absolutely the class. The AL Central will remain so. In terms of them catching teams like the Astros, who you and I have talked about, this Astros team is better than last year's yeah. Astro team that won the World Series. The Yankees and Red Sox both have cores that aren't going anywhere anytime soon. I think this will be a fascinating offseason for the Indians when you consider 
Andrew Miller's a free agent, Michael Brantley's a free agent, Cody Allen's a free agent, as well as other guys who have been a part of this team for a while, the Lonnie Chisholm the Josh Tomlins. They have a lot of money coming off the books, but they also are going to have, they have some holes. We've seen it all season long. The bullpen imploded again yesterday. Which is weird, though, because they have actually spent time and resources on that bullpen. But we say also, and that bullpen did implode. Part of the weird part of that is, is the implosion started with a guy who was one of the better starters all year. Two errors, and we talk about the playoffs, defensive mistakes get magnified. And that was a poor fielding pitching staff. And if you and if you give a team like the Astros, especially an opening, they're going to take advantage, and they did. The Indians, I've, again, they're going to be competitive into 2019, and then I would believe into 2020 as well. But, but I'll be fascinated to see what they do this offseason in terms of what pieces they add because there isn't a lot in terms in, of internal solutions on the farm system because they've no, made they, so many trades to build up. Tristan McKenzie's Tristan there. Tristan McKenzie. But beyond that, it's a lot. Of, their best prospects are mostly in the lower levels, they, low they and below. They have some I would say, that you know, could be helping next year. You know, there are a couple of guys that I do like, uh, again, who are, who are in high. I mean, I'm just in the Carolina League list. Nolan Jones is a guy who's at least a year away, but is a guy who you can find scouts who like him. Um, they have some, you know, again, there's some talent, but I would completely agree with you. This is, it's a very different thing than it would be if we're talking about that they had Clint Frazier, if they had Francisco Mejia. They have traded away some of their prospect wealth in recent years to contend, which is exactly what you should do. Right, justifiably but so, does, they're the right moves. The, the bill comes due for that at some point, and the bill is starting to come due. I will, I will say the Indians have had a fantastic run. I do expect to, to continue, and they just lost to a better team. Like, we can dissect no, it any which way yeah. we want. The better team won this series. Right. And, that, and that is something where, uh, again, the ALCS, the NLCS is going to be very interesting, but the ALCS does feel like, uh, again, I'm, a, I'm old, and I also love the NFL, and in the 80s, it was the there NFC was this long championship stretch game where it was like the NFC championship game was the even Super into Bowl. the early 90s felt like it was the Super Bowl and then you had to play this other game after it just to validate the award you know here you can you, now you get the trophy again i'm not saying obviously the Dodgers or the Brewers can win the world series but we have said all year the American League just seemed like it was a cut above the National League the top teams in the AL and it sure still feels like that right now, whether it's going to be Astros versus Yankees or Astros versus Red Sox. Right now, obviously, it looks more likely it's Astros Red Sox because they have a game advantage. They just need one more win. Either team coming out of that does feel like that they will be the favorites to win the uh, World Series. That's a very fair assessment, especially considering that they will have home field advantage, which goes a long way in that regard. So the eulogy for the Indian season, again, another strong season. But this is a team that you feel like this year's team was not as good as the 2016-17 teams. The momentum in terms of the quality of their team, it'll be interesting to see if they can get it turned back upward for 2019. The other team that lost yesterday, the Braves, they're kind of in the opposite situation. They're, they're on the way up. This is a team that people expected, okay, competitive 2019, 2020. I was in the minority where I said, you know, I could see a scenario where they sneak into a wild card. And I was the optimist. There was no scenario in which I would have thought they'd win the division. It seems like that's the case for 100% of people around the game as well. But they did. They have a fantastic young core. They have a ton of money going to be available to them next year. When we say ton, year. that's what I don't know. Well, I, what, what however think, much they want to spend. Right, but they have again, very little in payroll commitments. They have very little payroll commitments. But I think that's one of the key questions. Because 
as you would look at this Braves team right now, they don't need to make moderate moves. They have, when you say their lineup for 2019, there's really only one spot. You say, okay, Nick Markakis is a free agent. And by the way, if they want to bring Nick Markakis back, that's not going to break the bank. I don't know if they want to or not, but that is a modest move. But my point is, is that, okay, that's it. They're, you know, they, they, went, they managed to re-up at catcher. Freddie Freeman's there, Ozzie Albies, Dansby Swanson, Johan Camargo, Ronald Acuna, Ender Enciarte. That's the same guys. They're, you know, again, and they have some depth already because they have Austin Riley ready, who basically with Camargo's versatility means essentially they have four second baseman, shortstop, third baseman to play three spots. So they have some depth too. Pitching staff wise, they have more middle of the rotation guys you could consider type middle rotation types than they can use. Um, but what they don't have is the bullpen right now. So the question though is, is okay, do they have enough money? So Kyle, I mean, if, let's say, if the question came down to, no, we only have enough money for one big ticket free agent, because the reality is, is when we look to 2021, 2022, we do not have the revenue where we are feel comfortable that we'll be able to pay the Acunas and the Albies and the Fulton Awitzes and the Newcombs and all those guys and afford two big ticket free agents. Do you go right fielder and say, hey, Bryce Harper, yes, our fans hate you, but come on down? Or do you say, no, you, you spend that money in the bullpen? You have to at least make the phone call to Bryce Harper. And if the number comes back at $400 million plus, no, you pass it. They're not a team that I feel like is going to have a $400 million guy. But you at least make the phone call, see what happens. That talent, particularly with the positional needs they have, there's no question he would make them a better team. It's just, again, like everything else in life, depends on the price tag. I really like to see them upgrade their bullpen, whether that means going back and bringing Craig Kimbrell back. We just mentioned Adam, Andrew Miller is going to be a free agent. Something like that where they can add a two, preferably, big-time late-game arms. But I would also like to see them upgrade the bench. We saw with the Dodgers, the guys they were able to go to in terms of their pinch hitters, the guys they were able to mix in and out, were vastly better than the Braves. And in the National League in particular, I think having that additional, and some of that's going to come from within. You mentioned having no, the infield I, depth. I'll go a different way. But that. Lane Adams, Adam Duvall, Ryan Flaherty, if they can upgrade that group, it will just help. It's those little things around the margins that will help get you over the hump in the postseason. I'll say a crazy thing for you on that. Do not do that now. Don't spend a huge amount no, of money no, I'm on saying, it. Don't spend it in the offseason on that. Like, spend it on the Ryan Flaherty's and the Lane Adams, and the, in, again, you know, like Duvall's there if they want them for next year still. Like, do that for the offseason. Here's the great thing we've discovered. Come July, if you need to prepare for that for the postseason, come July, you can find those guys and you can be like, hey, who's our 45th best prospect? Oh, yeah, I like him a little bit. We'll trade him and we can add. Again, and that's something that now the Dodgers, the, the, the Dodgers are playing in a, in a, you know, they're in the penthouse. And so they can go out there and say, Yes, we have four outfielders for three spots, you know, or five outfielders for three spots. And so they can have a Jock Peterson come off the bench. I don't think the Braves will be but doing that. But it is something where nowadays, if you said, if I'm the Braves, I go into next season saying, come midseason, we are planning on at the midseason, we will add a significant, like a guy, a Neil Walker, you know, like a, a guy who... Again, the Yankees got Luke Boyd. That's not what, you know, that, that, was, that lurked out better than anyone can imagine. 
but a, a deal that seems like a modest deal, but a guy who you're like, no, I feel really good about. Brian Dozier is the kind of trade that I'm saying they can make at the midseason and it won't cost them that much. We saw last night in particular with all three games that the guys who were acquired at midseason played a big role in some way or another. Brad Hand and Adam Simber not helping matters in Cleveland, although at the end of the day that game was over before they got into the game. Manny Machado and Brian Dozier being the guys who delivered the big hits for the Dodgers in their series clinching win. And then Lance Lynn kind of falling apart and throwing gasoline on the fire with the Yankees. So the midseason additions, every Which, year we see them having an impact, good or bad. And okay, that's the one, like, again, there's not much we need to dissect on that Yankees-Red Sox game that was not close. But the one thing that we have to dissect, that the question I have is, in that situation, with that bullpen, I'm not saying that you would never want Lance Lynn to pitch in that game. But why then? That, that's the thing that baffles me is, is that the game was, I mean, when Lance Lynn came into that game, that was a game. And I do not understand why you wouldn't basically, again, this is not a team who has one moment of truth guy. This is a team who has multiple moment of truth guys. Why wouldn't you say, you know, we will go to Patances again, or Chad Green, who ended up pitching in that inning, as it was. But we're going to go to a guy like that, and we will pick, you know what, we're going to need an inning or two from Lance Lynn this game. But let's pick the inning or two where he starts the inning clean, and we give him some time. Because, again, this is not as much his role as it is Dylan Batances's or you know, or oldest Chapman, or Chad Green, or that we could just keep going on and on with this Yankees team. So that was the thing that was baffling to me was, why would you bring Lance Lynn in that situation? Some of it is just usage, right? We've seen Betances, we've seen Britton, we've seen, you know, Chapman obviously wasn't kind of come in that early in the game. We've, a lot of these guys have got, have, have, have got. There are teams that would do that. But you go back, you know, Green threw two innings uh, in game one. Lynn, by the way, did throw two clean innings in game one. Britain through, Robertson through, then you move into game two as well. You have Batances, Britain, Chapman. There are just workload management things. But no, no, but again, I'm but not it, saying but, about Lance Lynn not pitching in the game. I'm saying Lance Lynn, if you are ranking Yankees relievers in terms of leverage, I would say Lance Lynn at best ranks sixth or seventh on that list. Would you agree or disagree? I, may, I might go more fifth, but yes, I understand bringing Chad Green in to finish that inning and, and then, then bringing say, Lance, hey, Lance Lynn in to come in for the clean inning. Clean yes, inning, and that's a low leverage situation. And again, now the reality is, is it's the playoffs. Yes, you have someone ready. Like if Lance Lynn gets in trouble or Chad Green gets in trouble, you're not letting them implode. You know. Now again, once the, the great thing about that game was after that was at some point you are like, okay, you know. Just whoever pitched. Stephen Tarpley got yes. his postseason innings. Yes. He got his, exactly. his outing. That's what Stephen Tarpley's there and for. And then Austin Romine got yeah. a lot of position players pitching exactly. in the postseason. Which, you know, but what my point being, though, is, is that I do think that that got away from them from the standpoint of in the postseason, again, we are talking about it in, a, in an era. I know it was not home runs last night. But we are talking about we are in an era where a game can go from tied to Wow, that got out of hand quickly. You know, Brick, I think you need to lay low for a little while. And, you know, in no time at all. And, and the reality of it is, is that that does wear down bullpens, but it is something where you have to treat them that way. And again, if you just had flipped those, they clearly were willing to use Chad Green. We know that because Chad Green came in 
very soon thereafter. But instead of doing it that way, it just made more sense to me that you're going to use a green or a batansis in the tough situation and then give the clean inning to Lance Lynn. I will say all this, we still have to go back to Luis Severino because this is immaterial if Luis Severino goes out and does his job as a starting pitcher. We talked a lot about his struggles during the second half of the season. The wild card game, while it was four shutout innings, there were some serious control issues there. He comes out and just gets his doors blown off again. The Yankees want to be a World Series team. It's hard to be a World Series team if the guy that's supposed to be your ace isn't right. And Luis Severino, as much as people have tried to maybe talk it down, say, oh, you know, he's just got to figure out this or that or the other thing, he hasn't been right for a while now. And uh, I mean, he showed flashes of getting a little better. But he was not Luis Severino for an extended period of time since the first half. There have been. The game, though, was, I mean, again, I don't expect, I do not expect any Yankees pitcher to pitch into the sixth right now. I mean, that's just the reality. With this bullpen, I'm expecting, but like. But five clean innings is a huge difference than three rocky ones. No, again, this was, you know, but I'm saying, so four clean innings even. Four, and you, get, and you hand it over but, in the but fifth. But again, again, it was scoreless, but. A lot of walks, then as soon as the fifth starts, oh, he gives up two hits. This was not dominant. Hey, I can get us through five clean innings, no problem. We oh, separate no, no. up. The, the, the starting pitching staff is, I mean, again, they are, they are the brewers in this. They are a team that it is, they live or die more with their bullpen than they do with their starters. And the reality of this is, again, we now, now again, the, the, the dangerous thing for them and the Red Sox is, is the Red Sox live and die with their starters and they try to survive their bullpen. The Yankees try to survive their starters, and they live and die with their, you know, they have this bullpen they're really proud of. And then the problem they're going to have is, is then they're going to face the Astros, and the Astros can say, yep, yep, we got starters. And again, like, I don't, the, the starters match up for the, I, I get well in every game of that series. Oh, the Astros have the best starting pitching in the postseason. That's and not they have the a better, And their bullpen is, if it's not the Yankees' bullpen, it's pretty close. It's a, and, the they bullpen leaving, has, and they leave guys off. Speaking of midseason acquisitions, Ryan Presley and Roberto Osuno, all the controversy, obviously, but Presley in particular has been excellent. Yes, and so what I'm saying is, is but again, but no, that that was bad last night. There's no doubt. Now, Lance Lynn didn't help it, like, you know, but that was, Severino have to be better than that. And the again, reality of it is, is that... The, none the, of the pitchers pitched well. <laughs> the other bad part with that is, is that, the bad news with that, if you're the Yankees, is, is that game was important for the Yankees because now you're going to face sale, you know, if you're the Red Sox, what it means with that is, is that, okay, I think that, you know, we were, I think we we're going to see sale in game five, kind of no matter what. I don't think that we're going to push them. But now it's, it's, it's set up very nicely for the Red Sox. Absolutely. They now have up two games to one, one game at each park. They're going to be in great shape. We do have to hit on Brock Holt real quick. First postseason cycle in history. Again, we talk about depth and having options. Give Brock Holt credit. He was one of the better, you know, kind of bench utility guys in baseball 2014-15. Really went down, struggled 2016 uh, and 2017. Came back this year, had a, a full slate of games again, at least for a bench player. Was good all year. Comes in last night. You never know what you're going to see in the postseason, and Brock Holt was the guy with the first cycle in postseason history. I can't say we saw that one coming. No, 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 no. Although I'll say this, Brock Holt is one of those guys. Good player. I, I think actually he should be playing more in this series. Um, he, he can hit. 
He, he might have earned that right last night. We'll I, I think it's going to be hard to say he doesn't. Either. We'll see what happens. Well, it should be a lot of exciting times. We've got three of the uh, ALCS and NLCS uh, contenders uh, participants decided. Hoping, again, as One a more to go. party, I'm hoping for five games in uh, Yankees Red Sox now. Absolutely. Well, that will conclude this uh, playoff podcast. Real quick, we want to let you guys know we've got a fun uh, book coming out here, Baseball America, Before They Were Stars. JJ, you, uh, as our editor-in-chief, have uh, been at the forefront of this. Take us through it. So it is. it really is a fun book. So basically what we did is we plumbed the archives of Baseball America. We've been here now in some form for almost 40 years. And so that is a whole lot of players, you know, that we have written about going back to founder Alan Simpson and the crazy idea he had that, you know what, we're going to tell people about the stars of the game before they become stars. That was the it, at the summation of what Baseball America is, that is what Baseball America is about and is what it's always been about. And so what this is, is you can read, we pulled out scouting reports of, you know, the Hall of Famers and then the great players of the Baseball America era. When you say the Baseball America era, really from the mid-80s mid to present. Now, again, Baseball America goes back to 81, but Cal Ripken Jr. arrived, but at the same time, we weren't writing scouting reports on Cal Ripken Jr., in 80, so we're not going to have Cal in here for that reason, but... Ken Griffey Jr. is in Ken there. Ken Griffey Jr., when you go back to even, like, you know, the Brett Saberhagens and all, from then to now, um, scouting reports, photos of the players from when they were on their way up. I mean, you know, Dallas Keuchel, the beardless Dallas Keuchel. Baby Derek Jeter. Baby Derek Jeter. John Lester, you know, looking, who's not a grizzled vet yet. Um, you know, all Skinny these, Madison Bumgarner. Right. Like all, real thin Madison Bumgarner. All these, so you have that. And it should be, a, we think it's going to be a, a book that, you know, that it's really fun to kind of sit there, um, you know, and, and kind, of, uh, kind of dive into it. And it'll be out, um, you know, before too long, we've sent it to the printer. If you go to baseballamerica.com, you know, and click on books, you can order it now. But we think it is. It's a book that you'll really enjoy. Um, you know, it's one basically that'll be out there for, uh, you know, if you're also looking, you know, uh, holiday gifts as well. Uh, we have it kind of sitting there coming out. So uh, it's, that's book one. Now we get ready to dive into the almanac, and then we're already working on the prospect handbook too. Fun times. Well, make sure and check it out, everybody. For J.J. Cooper, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.